The reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Marion and I were down uh, by the sea uh, a couple of weeks ago, going for a walk with some friends along the, uh, along the coastal path. Uh, and out in the estuary, were, there was a regatta going on. There were sailing boats everywhere. And, uh, it, of course, it occurs to me that a boat needs two things. It needs a sail, but it needs the wind. Without the wind, the regatta would have been pathetic. Without breath, we cannot live. Without the spirit, our spiritual life is dead. So this is of fundamental importance this morning. 
We meet the disciples in uh, Jerusalem. They're all together in a large place, it says. Uh, the room of a house. Not quite sure whether it really was a house. Because by the time you reach the end of the story, you've got all the disciples and the rest of the crowd. And the houses usually weren't that big. So uh, this may well have been in one of the rooms or the, the houses in the temple. But either way, it doesn't really matter. It's the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, that is... Uh, the feast 50 days or seven weeks after the start of the barley harvest. Now, apparently they had three harvest festivals a year. It's very selfish of them. Uh, But anyway, they had three. This was the middle one, uh, seven weeks after the start of the barley harvest. But it was also the days on which the Jews celebrated the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, on those two tablets of stone. And Luke, who is the author of Acts, uh, wants us to see the similarities right at the beginning. Uh, just it, interestingly, as he does really at the beginning of Luke's Gospel, so he does here. He wants to see the symbolism. The law is written on tablets. The Spirit writes the law on your heart. And at the beginning of the ministry of, of Jesus, of course, so Luke's make it very, make, Luke makes it very clear that the Spirit empowers his ministry. It starts his ministry, it defines his ministry, it empowers his ministry. And Luke is saying that same Spirit is coming on his disciples to start the church. So that's the sort of the background. Can you feel the sort of Uh, impression of of where we are, perhaps in the temple, with people coming and going, and the disciples in one room. Uh, And this is, every word I came up with began with the letter P. That's not because uh, this is brilliant uh, text or anything like that, it's just how it happened. Uh, This is a story, firstly, and there are a lot of them, so keep a note. Uh, This is a story that has been promised. Chapter 1 of Acts Uh, And verse 4 says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So this event is expected. Jesus had already said that it was going to happen. So it's important. And so to my next P, uh, and... The, the word that kept coming to mind as I was reading this, actually it doesn't start with a P at all, but it's an A, it's an all. But you'll get to the P in a minute. Just, just hang on in there. I'm intrigued by that word all. Verse 1, they were all together. Verse 3, tongues of fire rested on all of them, each of them it actually says. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them began to speak in different tongues. Verse 17, the quote from Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This is clearly something which is really important for all of them. All of them, all of the disciples. It was important for them to be empowered by the Spirit of God. This was the start of their ministry and it needed the authority the vision and the power of God. They were all justified by God and they were all worthy of that blessing from God. 
Now I suspect that we rarely feel good enough for God to look upon us with any special favour. But our understanding of the person of God and the acceptance of his love comes through the presence, P, presence, I told you we'd get there, uh, of the Holy Spirit. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit that we need. It's the Spirit that convicts us of those things that we've done wrong. And it's the Spirit who allows us to speak the name of Jesus. And that runs through the entire Bible. Isaiah 11.2 The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, talking about Jesus, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. So it is that the Spirit brings understanding about Jesus Christ. John 14.26 But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. The Spirit, again, giving wisdom Ephesians 1, 13, 14. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So it is that the presence of God dwells within each believer through the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that we're all going to speak in different languages immediately. Um, but the gift of tongues is available to us all. So we have this presence of God, and the presence caused a stir, if you read it, uh, amongst the people. Some were amazed, some were perplexed, some ridiculed them and said they were drunk. But extraordinarily here, the disciples seem completely unmoved by the whole thing. They are completely at peace. Quite the opposite, actually, from being troubled. They seem excited by the whole thing. Such was their peace. Peter, tongue-tied fisherman, stands up and quotes a a large passage from Joel and then moves on, uh, if you follow through the passage, to give uh, quite a long sermon. He is in complete peace because God is at work in him. And where... God is at work, there is a calm and rightness about the situation because God gives strength, he gives ability and he gives those words in season. I do find it quite interesting actually that uh, after I've spoken and I'm standing at the back and everyone is, is going out, those one or two people that say, thank you so much, I really enjoyed the bit you said about And that bit that they always say they enjoyed is the bit that isn't in my notes. Because God gives words in season. Because where you have his presence, you have his peace. Because there is a rightness. There is a connectedness with God. The Spirit of God works in peace through the people that he's called. And and have you not found that when you're, you're anxious or you're unhappy or you're disturbed about something so you can't think clearly how many times at work I've been sitting at my desk and there's there's something really troubling me I've got a problem I'm dealing with and I can't get my head around it so I push it away and then oh an email's come in that's good I'll deal with that that's so much easier and then I'll make a phone call and then I'll make myself a cup of coffee and I'll come back to my desk and that piece of paper is still there 
because I can't get my head around it. And where the presence of God is, so there is a peace because there's a rightness. And where there is a rightness, there is harmony. And where there is harmony, your mind is working properly. How often have you stood up in a really crowded place? Maybe, um, I don't know, go to the uh, high street in Guildford or something and stand up and start proclaiming the glory of God. Do you feel at peace? Possibly not. Possibly not. But the point here is that these men were not evangelizing. They weren't taking their life in their hands. They were almost on their own with God. Because if you read the text, it actually says that they were giving praise to God. Uh, The gift of tongues is often for that purpose. It is a private interface with God. And these men were just giving thanks. Just in the same way that we, if we had open prayer, we could all pray at the same time, giving thanks to God. And there would be this enormous hubbub in here. It would be quite exciting. All out loud, giving praise to God. How often are we tongue-tied because we can't think of the right words to use? We can't do justice to all that God has for us. The, the disciples here speak in languages they do not know. And these are uneducated Galileans. These are the dimmest of the dim. These are the nice but dim of the Jewish people. But they didn't need to use a different language for two reasons. Firstly, they were only talking to God. So they didn't need a language to communicate because they were talking to God. But secondly, there was a common language. These were um, God-fearing Jews in Jerusalem, and therefore they all spoke Greek. There was a common language. So why didn't the disciples speak in Greek? Because God enabled them to reach out and prove a point to all those people that were listening. It's remarkable that God should empower the disciples in this way. There's a range of nationalities all in Jerusalem at the same time for the feast. They're all in this place together. They have come to celebrate the giving of the law. And these men praising God, completely uneducated, unable to probably even speak their own language in an articulate manner, are speaking another language. God is at work. You can't save yourself through the law. We are saved. We're giving you an explanation, an illustration of how we're saved. And that is free from God. It's an awesome, powerful gift, the Holy Spirit within. Following a law, as we've said before, can only prove when you've been obedient and when you haven't been obedient. It can't change your heart. It can't change your life. It can simply show you when you've gone wrong. Whereas the indwelling Spirit of God cleanses us. He invades us to the point where when we utter his words, 
then we will do his deeds and live the life that we've been called. So we have the promise of God because he wants to do business with us if we wait for him, literally if we long for him. So he promises to be with us. In his presence, his spirit, which is for everyone, no one is left out. No one is left out. And through that we have his peace. When we're allowed to, we allow the spirit to minister through us. And we have power, power from on high. And the gifts of tongues at this occasion was simply an illustration to, to gain their attention, to challenge them. And there are plenty of gifts that the Spirit brings. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, teaching, caring, service, and so on and so on. The Spirit of God bringing glory to his name. So we have the promise, the presence, the peace, the power. But there's one more, if I may. Because for me, the most interesting and vital verse in this whole thing is from the quote of Joel, verse 23. And that is that there is a purpose. Because after saying that there will be all these miraculous signs, the quote that, uh, that Peter uses from Joel says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Forget your law. Forget your rules and your regulations. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And it's through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit that you are able to use that name. If you're thirsty, you drink. If you want to know God, you come to Jesus. And you come to Jesus through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. You see, it is no good sitting in your sailing boat in the estuary with your sail neatly folded along the bottom of the boat. It looks pretty. It's all in order. You know where it is in case you want it. But unless you put it up, you're not going to go anywhere. The sail is not going to catch the wind. It may look untidy. It may be a bit scary. You may go a little bit faster than you were anticipating. You may go slightly differently from where you actually wanted. But unless you put the sail up, the wind of the Spirit is not going to catch you. Are we prepared to lift our sail this morning? God has promised his presence, his peace, his fulfilment through the power of his spirit for a purpose. That we might, if I can use two more, praise him, proclaim his name, because we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our very beings. Do we want to welcome the presence of God into our lives and into our church this morning? Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, we come to you and we proclaim and praise your name because your spirit is within. When we don't know the words to use, your spirit utters them for us in words we do not understand. 
Help us this morning to lift our sail. Welcome your wind. Welcome your direction. Welcome your power. Your presence. Your peace. Father, minister amongst each one of us this morning, we pray. In your holy name. Amen. Marion and I were down uh, by the sea uh, a couple of weeks ago, going for a walk with some friends along the, uh, along the coastal path. Uh, and out in the estuary, were, there was a regatta going on. There were sailing boats everywhere. And, uh, it, of course, it occurs to me that a boat needs two things. It needs a sail, but it needs the wind. Without the wind, the regatta would have been pathetic. Without breath, we cannot live. Without the spirit, our spiritual life is dead. So this is of fundamental importance this morning. We meet the disciples in uh, Jerusalem. They're all together in a large place, it says. Uh, the room of a house. Not quite sure whether it really was a house, because by the time you reach the end of the story, you've got all the disciples and the rest of the crowd, and the houses usually weren't that big. So uh, this may well have been in one of the rooms or the, the houses in the temple. But either way, it doesn't really matter. It's the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, that is... Uh, the feast 50 days or seven weeks after the start of the barley harvest. Now, apparently they had three harvest festivals a year. It's very selfish of them. Uh, but anyway, they had three. This was the middle one, uh, seven weeks after the start of the barley harvest. But it was also the days on which the Jews celebrated the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, on those two tablets of stone. And Luke, who is the author of Acts, uh, wants us to see the similarities right at the beginning. uh, Just interestingly, as he does really at the beginning of Luke's Gospel, so he does here. He wants to see the symbolism. The law is written on tablets. The Spirit writes the law on your heart. And at the beginning of the ministry of, of Jesus, of course, so Luke's make it very, make, Luke makes it very clear that the Spirit empowers his ministry. It starts his ministry, it defines his ministry, it empowers his ministry. And Luke is saying that same Spirit is coming on his disciples to start the church. So that's the sort of the background. Can you feel the sort of uh, impression of of where we are, perhaps in the temple, with people coming and going, and the disciples in one room. Uh, And this is, every word I came up with began with the letter P. That's not because uh, this is brilliant uh, text or anything like that, it's just how it happened. Uh, This is a story, firstly, and there are a lot of them, so keep a note. Uh, This is a story that has been promised Chapter 1 of Acts uh, and verse 4 says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. 
So this event is expected. Jesus had already said that it was going to happen. So it's important. And so to my next P, uh, and the, the word that kept coming to mind as I was reading this, actually doesn't start with a P at all, but it's an A, it's an all. But you'll get to the P in a minute. Just, just hang on in there. I'm intrigued by that word all. Verse 1, they were all together. Verse 3, tongues of fire rested on all of them, each of them it actually says. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them began to speak in different tongues. Verse 17, the quote from Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This is clearly something which is really important for all of them. All of them, all of the disciples. It was important for them to be empowered by the Spirit of God. This was the start of their ministry. And it needed the authority, the vision and the power of God. They were all justified by God and they were all worthy of that blessing from God. Now I suspect that we rarely feel good enough for God to look upon us with any special favour. But our understanding of the person of God and the acceptance of his love comes through the presence, P, presence, I told you we'd get there, uh, of the Holy Spirit. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit that we need. It's the Spirit that convicts us of those things that we've done wrong. And it's the Spirit who allows us to speak the name of Jesus. And that runs through the entire Bible. Isaiah 11.2 The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, talking about Jesus, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. So it is that the Spirit brings understanding about Jesus Christ. John 14.26 But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. The Spirit, again, giving wisdom Ephesians 1, 13, 14. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So it is that the presence of God dwells within each believer through the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that we're all going to speak in different languages immediately. Um, but the gift of tongues is available to us all. So we have this presence of God, and the presence caused a stir, if you read it, uh, amongst the people. Some were amazed, some were perplexed, some ridiculed them and said they were drunk. But extraordinarily here, the disciples seem completely unmoved by the whole thing. They are completely at peace. Quite the opposite, actually, from being troubled. They seem excited by the whole thing. Such was their peace. Peter, tongue-tied fisherman, stands up and quotes a, a large passage from Joel and then moves on, as, uh, if you follow through the passage, to give uh, quite a long sermon. He is in complete peace because God is at work in him. And where... God is at work, there is a calm 
and rightness about the situation because God gives strength, he gives ability and he gives those words in season. I do find it quite interesting actually that uh, after I've spoken and I'm standing at the back and everyone is, is going out, those one or two people that say, thank you so much, I really enjoyed the bit you said about. And that bit that they always say they enjoyed is the bit that isn't in my notes. Because God gives words in season. Because where you have his presence, you have his peace. Because there is a rightness. There is a connectedness with God. The Spirit of God works in peace through the people that he's called. And and have you not found that when you're, you're anxious or you're unhappy or you're disturbed about something, so you can't think clearly? How many times at work I've been sitting at my desk and there's there's something really troubling me. I've got a problem I'm dealing with. And I can't get my head around it, so I push it away. And then, oh, an email's come in, that's good, I'll deal with that. That's so much easier. And then I'll make a phone call and then I'll make myself a cup of coffee and I'll come back to my desk and that piece of paper is still there. Because I can't get my head around it. And where the presence of God is, so there is a peace because there's a rightness. And where there is a rightness, there is harmony. And where there is harmony, your mind is working properly. How often have you stood up in a really crowded place? Maybe, um, I don't know, go to the uh, high street in Guildford or something and stand up and start proclaiming the glory of God. Do you feel at peace? Possibly not. Possibly not. But the point here is that these men were not evangelizing. They weren't taking their life in their hands. They were almost on their own with God. Because if you read the text, it actually says that they were giving praise to God. Uh, The gift of tongues is often for that purpose. It is a private interface with God. And these men were just giving thanks. Just in the same way that we, if we had open prayer, we could all pray at the same time, giving thanks to God. And there would be this enormous hubbub in here. It would be quite exciting. All out loud, giving praise to God. How often are we tongue-tied because we can't think of the right words to use? We can't do justice to all that God has for us. The, The disciples here speak in languages they do not know. And these are uneducated Galileans. These are the dimmest of the dim. These are the nice but dim of the Jewish people. But they didn't need to use a different language. For two reasons. Firstly, they were only talking to God. So they didn't need a language to communicate because they were talking to God. But secondly, there was a common language. These were um, God-fearing Jews in Jerusalem and therefore they all spoke Greek. There was a common language. So why didn't the disciples speak in Greek? Because God enabled them to reach out and prove a point to all those people that were listening. 
It's remarkable that God should empower the disciples in this way. There's a range of nationalities, all in Jerusalem at the same time for the feast. They're all in this place together. They have come to celebrate the giving of the law. And these men praising God, completely uneducated, unable to probably even speak their own language in an articulate manner, are speaking another language. God is at work. You can't save yourself through the law. We are saved. We're giving you an explanation, an illustration of how we're saved. And that is free from God. It's an awesome, powerful gift, the Holy Spirit within. Following a law, as we've said before, can only prove when you've been obedient and when you haven't been obedient. It can't change your heart. It can't change your life. It can simply show you when you've gone wrong. Whereas the indwelling Spirit of God cleanses us. He invades us to the point where when we utter his words, then we will do his deeds and live the life that we've been called. So we have the promise of God Because he wants to do business with us if we wait for him. Literally, if we long for him. So he promises to be with us. In his presence. His spirit, which is for everyone. No one is left out. No one is left out. And through that we have his peace. When we're allowed to... We allow the spirit to minister through us. And we have power. Power from on high. And the gifts of tongues at this occasion was simply an illustration to to gain their attention, to challenge them. And there are plenty of gifts that the Spirit brings. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, teaching, caring, service, and so on and so on. The Spirit of God bringing glory to his name. So we have the promise, the presence, the peace, the power. But there's one more, if I may. Because for me, the most interesting and vital verse in this whole thing is from the quote of Joel, verse 23. And that is that there is a purpose. Because after saying that there will be all these miraculous signs, the quote that uh, that Peter uses from Joel says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Forget your law. Forget your rules and your regulations. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And it's through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit that you are able to use that name. If you're thirsty, you drink. If you want to know God, you come to Jesus. And you come to Jesus through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. You see, it is no good sitting in your sailing boat in the estuary with your sail neatly folded along the bottom of the boat. It looks pretty. It's all in order. You know where it is in case you want it. But unless you put it up, you're not going to go anywhere. The sail is not going to catch the wind. It may look untidy. It may be a bit scary. 
you may go a little bit faster than you were anticipating. You may go slightly differently from where you actually wanted. But unless you put the sail up, the wind of the Spirit is not going to catch you. Are we prepared to lift our sail this morning? God has promised his presence, his peace, his fulfilment through the power of his spirit for a purpose. That we might, if I can use two more, praise him, proclaim his name, because we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our very beings. Do we want to welcome the presence of God into our lives and into our church this morning. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, we come to you and we proclaim and praise your name because your spirit is within. When we don't know the words to use, your spirit utters them for us in words we do not understand. Help us this morning to lift our sail. Welcome your wind. Welcome your direction. Welcome your power, your presence, your peace. Father, minister amongst each one of us this morning, we pray. In your holy name. Amen.